a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Uh, bless the Lord. So, my question today is, how is your peace? How's our peace? Um, peace is not necessarily... Um, predicated on situations being satisfied. We know in Philippians, Paul was in prison and preaching peace. And um, a lot of people, we got the um, Buddhists that would say, you know, you just, you can just sit through anything and, and meditate and have this nirvana or whatever, right? And, you know, but, you know, I, I'm going to say this, and this is not in my sermon. But um, I had a neighbor that was thinking that way, and I just watched everything he had just get taken away. Just believing peace was better than managing his life, right? So it can become crazy, and, you know, you'll start thinking, I deserve to live in peace no matter what's going on. But there's no peace without the Prince of Peace, Right? Everything else is a farce. It's, it's really a short term. You might get an escape from something, but if you're not dealing with it God's way, it's going to remain, it's going to haunt you, it's going to be your destruction. And though you might be able to go with thick skin to your grave, you know, frozen feelings and all, you know, to your grave, you will have done nothing with your life but live selfishly trying to have this quest for peace independent of God, right? So the questions are, how's our peace? Are there pressing issues crowding our minds? Praying to God that any one or more of our issues will finally come to close? Have you noticed in the past or the present many times the issues remain staring us in the face? If the issues could talk, and some can, they probably say, now what you going to do? Right? It's, you know, what you going to do? We still here. They taunt us if they could. We're still here. They, my God, he don't care. Right? If he cared, would he let you go through all this? You praying, he not answering your prayers. Right? He don't care. And by the way, we still here. <laughs> right? Okay, so these issues of life, I mean, many things that we, that we incur, we bring on ourselves. This is true. But God allows some things that you know, you, where'd this come from? Right? You, you know. And so, um, and the way he, the way God handles and manages things is a little different than the way we would. By nature, I think we were taught to walk and to wash the dishes and to get up and be independent and go and be all you can be and do all you can do. Go be president, you know, all of that. So by nature, 
and by the world that we grew up in, um, being a prodigal of society, we're going to follow the, the reasoning. It's human reasoning. It's logical. Something's broke. You got to fix it. Try your best to fix it. But in many of the broken affairs in our hearts, because we're broken people, and even physical brokenness, we're sickly, you know, we're, we came on the scene dying, even though we were thriving at first, right? We have issues, community, <laughs> family, wife, my wife's out cheating, you know, just issues, right? And then in and of myself, the one thing I'm sure that I could tell myself is that I need to manage this. But I need to remind myself, I need God's help. I need, I can't do this by myself. If I do it by myself or try to, I'm in the wilderness. I'm going around in circles. And even though I've gone around in circles time and time again, it just seems like the right thing to do. Manage this. I concoct stuff. I come up with answers. You know, I'm always coming up with some kind of solution. I think I'm smart. You know, I'm plotting. I'm getting plotting. I used to have bosses. I would lay, I, look, I couldn't even sleep. You guys know these stories. I couldn't sleep. <laughs> I'd lay there plotting how I'm going to manage her today. I don't even know. <laughs> I'm not sure if she would wake up thinking at all about managing me. It was just like, I'm the boss. I can do whatever, you, you, you know, to David. But I would always come up with some kind of reasoning, right? And it was typically reasoning that was in my own defense that was going to exalt me and vindicate me and, you know, and, and make everybody see she's wrong and I'm right. And sometimes that's not what God wants. Sometimes he wants me to bow down, even to situations that are totally unfair, right? It, it, sometimes, right? Because he wants lordship over my life. These things he's expecting of me. It's his will that I have this situation in the first place. And in the second place, it's his will that I seek him for solutions, and his is going to be the best solution, even when the solution seems unfair to me. And, you know, in most cases, all solutions, they just seem unfair to me. I mean, all situations seem, you know, the issues are, wow, I'm such a good guy. Why is this happening to me? <laughs> I, turned, I turned my phone off, Keisha. I don't know. See, these phones are doing what they want to do. Yeah, I'm sorry. So uh, they do. I'll tell you more later. Anyway. We have to be uh, cognizant that um, it's going to be hard to, to soldier through this place without seeking God for our solution. So when, we, when we're pressed and we have some issue going on, the thing we need to realize is that if God allowed it, then it's going to be his way out. We're going to follow the leader. The Holy Spirit will lead us out. And some of the stuff that the Holy Spirit may be asking us to do doesn't seem pertinent or directly related to our issue. It's kind of like going to Bible study when you have a, a, someone trying to evict you. 
right? But you, you're not going to Bible study just because you think somebody's going to explain to you the eviction process and get you out of trouble. You're going by faith because God wants you there beside the trouble, in spite of, right? So it, it's a faith move. So what we do is we, by faith, we choose what God wants in every situation. Now, is he going to remove the issue? Maybe, maybe not. But he'll give you peace in the issue while you're following him, right? He's a God of peace. He wants us to experience his peace. And we can have it. And there's some issues. I talked to all of you guys, so I know there's issues all over this room right now. And you know I'm an issue, and I have issues too. So, so you, you know, none of us are, none of us are beyond this issue syndrome. Let's call it that, right? But we have access to God that wants to use the issue to draw us into further, more intimate relationship with himself. Through that issue, God wants to tighten up our relationship, right? If it never goes away, he's like a tree planted by the river of living water. He's not the tree. He's like a tree, right? A tree planted by living water. So that tree is not planted in living water. He looks like it. When you look at him, regardless of all these pressing issues, right? He looks like someone that's stable. Look at the leaves on the tree, right? So now I don't want us to go and start trying to have a look. Don't try to look happy when you know all chaos is breaking out. Genuinely, from the inside out, God wants to radiate his peace in our lives. So when people see us, they recognize a genuine person with God's peace in spite of the storm, right? There's a lot going on. You know, when, you, when I first came to Christ, I think you're supposed to look, you're supposed to look holy and peaceful. You know, I heard Kirk Cameron, I heard Kirk Cameron say once, right? He said, he, he confessed this, that when he first became saved, he would look at people and he would keep his eyes open so that they think he was heavenly. You know, <laughs> there was some radiation coming or, or something, right? So, I mean, and then, you know, it goes without saying when we first come to church and stuff, I sat there and tried to look holy. I was dying for a cigarette, you know, sitting there with all those people. I wanted to get outside and smoke. And the service just kept going on. Then it was, brother, who are you? Where are you from? You know, and I was just grinning. But I wanted out, you know. So what God is not looking for is for us to be actors and have a stage presence, right? He, he doesn't. Bless the Lord. He, he doesn't want that. He wants genuine, a genuine reflection of his light radiating through our being, right? Okay, that can be accomplished. We can do this. We can have it. If we stick with God, we're going to be like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Bible even says that we will shine like the sun in the day that we're united with him. These things, everybody wants to write them off as poetic or whatever. 
a lot of it is very much narrative. We're going to be bright and shining because God is bright and shining. In him is no darkness at all. He's light, right? And I don't mean skin color darkness. As far as I know, Jesus could be black. Look, I'm not advocating for that. What I'm saying is your skin color will not suppress the brightness of God coming through you. You get it? Bless the Lord. All right. So now that I've said all that, there are people that mock the Lord. They mock the people of God, which is included when the scripture says in his dwelling place in Revelation 13, 6. They also, um, they make fun of anything that has to do with Christianity. Revelation 13, 6 says, the beast, it opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blasphemies against his name and his dwelling place. That is that those that dwell in heaven. Um, we're not yet in heaven, but God sees us. He's, he sees us as we are because he looks at us through the lens of his son. If God looked at us directly, we'd die. You understand that, don't you? Okay. So because he looks at us through his son, he sees us as a finished work. But we're still a work in progress. So what we don't want to do is get all mixed up and let people tell you you no longer are a sinner and all these kinds of things, right? Because you are. Right. If you weren't, we'd be perfected and all would be done, right? But Jesus is the only sinless person that ever walked the face of this earth, right? We're benefactors of his sinlessness because then he made himself a sacrifice for us, right? So that we would live forever with him. Who does that? You know, I mean, really, I'm going to go out. Somebody been cussing me out and everything. And then I'm going to go and sacrifice myself so he can move in my house. You know, who does that? Right. Nobody does that. The planet just seems like, you know, only Jesus. Anyway, the, the issues in our lives, if we don't deal with them correctly, they're going to assault us. They're, they're, they're really, they're going to send these, these darts continual darts if we're not dealing with these issues and they can penetrate because if we don't turn to God they're going to get in they're going to get in through whatever armor we think we're carrying because you can put on some armor but if you're not in God that armor's not going to do the work God would do right so the darts are going to penetrate they're going to get in and so if we don't follow God's leading with the issues of our lives so the issues are there, they're not going anywhere in some cases, and they're going to provoke you to leave God, throw in the towel. If he cared, I mean, do you know how many people aren't Christians now because they think if God cared, right? That they're, 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 their first stand is, well, if there's a God, why would he, right? But we have to admit, we're going through a lot of things and we're wondering well, maybe you're there, I believe that much, but you don't care, right? You can't care with this baggage I'm attached to right now. I've been crying to you, crying out. I don't even like me. I'm crying out, do something about me. <laughs> right? Yeah, 
right? Okay, and so, but on and on, I go with the struggle. It's kind of like Paul with his thorn in the flesh or whatever, right? Right? Okay, I'm not succumbing, but who wants this long battle? It's who wants this, right? It's not gone anywhere. Well, I've been trying to do service, service to the Lord, right? Go over and make shredded salmon at Barbara's and just other kind things to people, right? Service and trying to make myself. And yet I can't get rid of these things, these issues, right? So when the issues delivered by several different variants, people, places, and things, when these issues show up, they assault God, they mock him, and then question me. Why are you still involved in this stuff? Curse God and die. You've heard it before. Job's wife, right? Move on. Just, just move on. But no, we're going to hang in to the end. I'm, I'm telling you, we're going to hang in to the end. In the midst of our trials, we're desperate for God to make his presence known. But when there's no response... No response that we can understand. God's will is still intact. His will is involved. Okay, because if he doesn't respond, that doesn't mean he doesn't love you. It means that he wants you to deal with the wasp's nest properly. <laughs> There's instructions, and I can lead you around the wasp's nest, but deal with it properly. Now, I'm going to wait and see if you use your own ingenuity and your intellect, are you going to follow the guidelines? You wait till night and you, when it's cold and you wet them down or whatever in the morning or whatever, right? The guidelines. I'm going to take you through the guidelines. If you do it your way, the wasp's nest is going to not only grow, but the wasps are going to sting you. You're going to get stung. So we're looking at a wasp's nest then with our issues. I'm sick of seeing it. And it's getting bigger. And I'm praying that the Lord would remove the wasp nest. Um, but no, he lets it stay, and I'll give you peace next to this wasp nest, right? Okay. <clears throat> Matthew 27, 46 says, In about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Which is my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now, why has God forsaken him? Right? God can't be connected to sin. If he gets connected to sin, we'll no longer have a holy God. Right? Bless the Lord. Right? So, think about it. He didn't respond to Jesus. And at the level of suffering Jesus was going through, which was not only for you, but for everyone, past, present, and future. Right? We need to take a look at this. There was no response. Right? He cried out. We cry out. Right? No response. Surely he even cried out. No response. Right? Okay. Don't stop crying out. <laughs> you can cry out right now. Don't. Don't stop crying out. Bless the Lord. Because you're crying to the right person. The right. Make your tears 
Make your sorrow known to God, right? Don't ever take the alternative, right? And there are many, there, there are many, don't take them. Let's remember Jesus and his own cry to God, why have you forsaken me? More than just quoting Psalm 22, because Jesus had to fulfill everything, so he wanted everyone to know that he had come to fulfill all those things in the Old Testament so that you would know it's all pointing to him, or if I were him, to me, right? It's all pointing to me. So he wanted to make that clear. So uh, that's why he let John baptize him. No, I don't, you should be baptizing me. Jesus is like, no, no, no. You baptize me so it can be fulfilled. He wants everything to be fulfilled properly, right? As it was written. But there was an actual disconnect. Jesus realized through a very real separation. In order that we can have a holy God, God the Father will in no way be contaminated by sin. Um, when Jesus cried out, why have you forsaken me? Um, the people around the cross, the Jews, they would have recognized that right off. They've studied, they knew the traditions, they, they stuck to traditions, they knew, right? They valued Abraham, David, and Moses, and, and all of this, right? So they would have knew exactly what he was talking about. Um, but now we're in retrospect looking back, and all of us are considering, and anyone else that really had a handle on it, and I'm going to tell you, maybe Mary at that time, his mother, because he has to come back to life and then further school the disciples who he really is, right? It was a continual, remember this, remember I told you, now, now you know, he disappears, show up again, right? What things? What, what stuff? What are you talking about? What's going on, right? So he had to make them know, I am really him, and these things had to happen that I kept telling you about, Right? The separation part, it almost sounds like you're giving up. If you're really the son of God, why are you crying out to God? Why have you forsaken me? Why would you cry that out? It sounds like, oh, everything's failed, right? But because God has a perfect will, and at the end of his will, in this regard, Jesus is raised up to his right side. And because of this, we can be raised too, right? Sometimes we have to sit with our issue. All right, there's no getting around it. Let me down off of here. That's not what he was saying, right? He, look, everything was being fulfilled. However, don't you leave me, right? Okay, I really need you. I could do it. I could sit here knowing that you're in this. But if you're quiet, I'm going to be tempted. They're going to assault me. They're going to mock you. They're going to mock me. Right? So don't you leave. Right? But love made God leave. That's love. You love your kid that finally you have to let them find out for themselves, for instance. Go over there and play with the wasp this time because I've told you, right? I'm not saying that Jesus did anything wrong. Of course he didn't. But what I'm saying is love for humanity made God quiet. He couldn't be connected to Jesus while Jesus was being connected to all the sin hurled at him. 
Bless the Lord. Bless God. Bless God. So God sticks to the plan. Seems unfair that he didn't come to either of us in our issue, some certain issues. Seems unfair. Keep crying out. If you want to survive through the issues, what we'll do is what Jesus did. There's some tips. I'm going to give some tips today. <laughs> so we, we're going to get some tips and, you know, and then we're going to try to carry on as best we can because given our routines, our regular addictive patterns, our habits, right, it may take a little time to break some of these routines. But we have to first, and I think I've said this before, but we have to first acknowledge the truth that God has given us his spirit. And that spirit wakes us up in the morning, telling, redirecting us to his word, telling us to get in that word some way, form, or fashion, right? Day and night, we should meditate in his word, right? This spirit won't leave us alone because when we lay down at night and we grab that remote, you know if you're a child of God, you hear, go read the, get the Bible, go read the Bible. Oh, I will, you know, yeah. right? Okay, and the issues, <laughs> they're the issues, they're not going anywhere, but try to go to bed ignoring the spirit. I mean, now, look. It's one thing that you got issues. It's another thing that you want to grow bags way down here because you can't sleep. Because when we do ignore God's request that we put aside worldly childish things, when we ignore that and we're a child of God and his spirit is intending to dwell in us in and through us, we're going to toss and turn. We won't get the night's rest that we wanted and we'll wake up with everything in the world on our mind. The first thing on our mind, the Holy Spirit will get, look, I said it before, we wake up before we open our eyes, all right? We wake up before, when we're asleep, our eyes are closed. We wake up, then we decide whether we want to open our eyes or not. And there's a period of time that the Holy Spirit is trying to tell us how to start your day. This is how you should start your day, okay? Start your day with Jesus. You're going to need it. You're going to need him. If you ignore that, say you lay there and open up your eyes and look over to the window. They didn't fix my, they didn't clean my window right. <laughs> they never, just any old, right? Any old thing will come to mind, right? They didn't, they didn't, they still doing it. They this and that. Oh, and then, oh, it's time to, oh, let me write this letter to PG&E. You know, all these things are going to surface. They're going to enter into our minds and hearts and they're going to lead the way. And we're going to follow the wrong path. I'm sorry. It's, it's, this is our nature. We were born in sin, shaped in iniquity. We have um, a human nature. We have an idea that if it can be fixed, we can fix it. We can actually... I don't like schemers and scheming and that sort of thing. But when I was on drugs, I was scheming and, and willing and dealing. I think I lost a lot of, um, 
A lot of those episodes, right? Of course, when you're on, when you're on drugs, look, it doesn't matter how smart you are, we'll take your drugs and your money. You know, it's just a whole lot of craziness, right? However, where I thought I could fix something and then would even gloat in some of my victories, I can't use that as a basis for dealing in life as a child of God. I need God, right? And if he's kind enough to give me the spirit to lead the way, I need to be willing to follow his spirit. Now, we can all be willing, right? Oh, tonight, I'm too tired. You know, watch all kind of reruns of The Godfather. I'm too tired. I'm the I'm first thing in the morning, right? I'm going to get my word. First thing in the morning. We are willing. <laughs> Sometimes we're very late. You preached a sermon about um, Miriam. I think it was Miriam or one of them. They wouldn't leave until she was ready. She, she jacked up Moses about his wife. You said, yeah, the Kushite woman, right? Yeah, yeah. And then um, so she, they, they, she had to go out and be a leper for, for a little while. And, uh, but they waited for her. Don't hold up progress, okay? Don't hold us up. Get in your word. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is telling you to get in the word. Get in it. Right? Because there, the day may come that you, you don't see the camp anymore. I'm not saying you're going to hell, but I do believe that there's a period of time when some will be exalted during a millennial period of time to reign with Christ while others won't. And I think we're getting that out of that Daniel, uh, what did we do, Joseph, God's will, uh, uh, Bible study. Five were taken to Pharaoh, not the others, five of them. So look, what I'm trying to say is don't be responsible. And even if it's not the case, I believe it is, but even if it's not the case that it would have an actual effect on your position in heaven, consider this, someone needs your advice. And all you have is Cagney and Lacey advice. <laughs> right? I need to hear a word of encouragement from a Bible-believing, praying, surrendered member of this family. And you're in video games, Tina playing video games all day, mass murder. She's just <laughs> going at it. I need help. We have to be there for each other. So look, while we have issues, that's not going to stop God from using us to support each other. If we follow his way, his spirit. Bless the Lord. Bless God. Hebrews 12, 2 says, look into Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That was God's plan. He did not take the cross away. Not my will, but your will. Okay, then your will. And look at what my will unfolded. You're sitting at my right hand. Right? And if we allow God, his will will unfold and we'll be in the congregation. And some will reign with Christ. That means leadership in an eternal kingdom. 
not just getting in, but having something to do with Christ. Make sense? I'm not making this stuff up. He wants us to want the rewards for our labor. Again, Jesus says, I'm coming soon and my reward is with me. And to each man I'm going to give according to what he has done. But I watch Green Acres all day, so I get a corn cob. Right? I'm old, and so I use all the old shows. All right. They're relevant. Second Corinthians 4.17 says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Remember I said that things might not be directly related if we came to Bible study in spite of our issues or serve the Lord, fellowship, ministry, whatever it is, evangelism, serving the Lord because we're trying to be faithful to the Lord. Okay, we can't see all the eternal results here. Right? But what we can see, what we can see is that the things that are transient here and now, I can see some results, but the things that are unseen are eternal. We don't know eternal. That means never, ever, ever ending. Right? We've only known death and dying. And destruction and despair, right? So we're hearing this eternity, but we need to ask the Lord a couple of things. Just give me the right perspective on an eternal kingdom because I don't have it. And if this is where I'm going to live forever, I want to do whatever it takes so I can enjoy it in its fullness. The abundance of it. The abundant life. I don't just want to get in. I want you to be happy. I want you to sing over me. Right? Like Pastor said in the Bible study. I want, I want well done, good and faithful servant. Right? I don't want to be the thief on the cross that just narrowly escapes hell. I want to come in with some fruit from the harvest. David ministered and brought some people to God. I want to do that. I have a will to wake up and read my Bible even though last night I didn't do what I was supposed to do. Right? So I need to operate in that will. Lord, help me finally give me a desire to read your word this morning, to follow your spirit, to do the things that are going to please you. I don't have it in and of myself. I know it's right, but I need your help. Won't he help us? So I got to stop asking you, Lord, get rid of this issue. Help me be a servant to you. Help me advance your kingdom. Everything else you're going to take care of. If you allow the issue to nail me, I'll be there with you eternally. It's a win-win situation. Serve the Lord. Serve God continually. 
So, if God's not going to remove these bitter cups, how will we ever survive this place? God affords us the opportunity to access all we need to endure our suffering. While the magnitude of Jesus' suffering was much different than ours, he met the need or showed up ready. What can we do? What did Jesus do? He followed the Spirit. Mark 1 and 12 says, At once the Spirit sent Jesus out to the desert. Let me explain something. If I haven't said it already. First, let me say this. The Spirit doesn't lord over Jesus. That's not what I'm saying, right? What I'm saying is led. That's just a translation, sent. Jesus followed the leading of his Father's Spirit. He didn't have to, okay? The second thing is that the Spirit led him out into the desert. So we might think, oh, then I can go to Las Vegas. That's the desert. Let's come on now. All right. Running away and taking these retreats, they're good. But really, escaping into the presence of God is where we're going to get our help. So if it's not a retreat where we're going to get filled up with the Holy Spirit, right? Filling and, and learning and stuff. Some of these concerts and golf course stuff and, and yacht parties and all of this stuff, yeah, that'll, look, I'm not saying don't. I'm saying we got a little time left and darkness is coming. How many of those do you need versus what God has for to, to sustain us while these issues are all around us? You come back from that golf retreat and your issue has grown in enormity. So I'm not one trying to make a, some kind of, oh, you can't do nothing, you can't have no fun. I'm trying to tell you there's a boatload of fun coming. Defer until the end. And if you do go to Las Vegas because it's the desert, you go with some Christians so you can't do nothing wrong. And you go to the gospel center. <laughs> All right? Right? All right. Look, I know you got ideas. You know, look, I'm not battling you against what you think is allowable. What I'm trying to say is that according to everything we're seeing on the news today, our time is short. We've acted a fool for umpteen years. I mean, really, pastor said it. We're an old church. We were, we're older. We're all over 50. So we didn't got away with murder. Right? And now we want to continue to party? <laughs> is it gonna, what is it going to yield? Bless God. That parties are not going to take care of those issues. I'm telling you now, you won't be able to survive those issues unless you turn to God. Right? That's where we're going to get the help to deal with the issues. If we go everywhere else, that issue is going to grow and we just, why, why is God letting this happen? He's letting it happen because in him, you can deal with it. You'll survive it. And if he lets it overcome you, he'll congratulate you. Bless the Lord. He that overcomes. So the rest of the scripture was, and he was in the desert 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended to him. How do you do that? If you're a child of God, he will speak to you inwardly, like I said. 
The Holy Spirit is not playing. You can't say he's playing. You can't say you're not hearing from him. When you pick that remote up or that telephone or whatever it is that is your regular pet peeve, that spirit is telling you to do something else. Do something else. Bless the Lord. If you have a a hard time battling to do something else, Lord, do in me what I can't do in myself. I want you to help me do what you want me to do. Please help me. Make that a cry. See if that gets answered. That'll get answered. It's the truth. Bless God. So a few scriptures, and then I'm going to get down because it's kind of warm up here. Yeah. Then, uh, shoot, I'm going to faint it up here. And so, 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 uh, so, so, look, look, you guys, I am no hero, you know, look, you know me. I like the clown, I, you know, at least I'm not cussing and swearing, but that's not the indication of someone that's being tempered. I, I'm, I'm actually, I know how to make a joke, and, and I want you to laugh, and you know, and all this kind of sort of stuff. But I, I'm considering again how much time I'm wasting with idle words, right? It, it's like, look, I'm doing an introspection, self inward. Lord, search me. Know my heart. Yeah, what, what, what can I do that's going to be better? Because I, I know you want to laugh, and I want you to laugh, and I want to laugh with you and all of this, but when the laughter's over, is she going to her issues, and I'm going to my issues, and we haven't prayed about our issues? And No, no David, grow up. Grow up. I got to grow up. Bless the Lord. Pastor over here, yeah, see, David, I've been telling you this. Grow up. (laughs) (laughs) So so Mark 135 says, very early in the morning while it was dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. This is what Jesus did early in the morning. I got up and wondered why they didn't wash the window right. All right. Luke 5, 15 through 16 says, despite Jesus' plea that his miracles be kept secret, the news about him spread all the more, so the crowds of the people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Okay? So while you come in and stuff and you want to get that hee-haw going on and we finish our laughter and everything, I need to learn how to withdraw and go and pray. If this is what the Spirit is telling me to do, You know, he's going to give you the laughter you need or whatever it is. He got us all. You know, each one of us, he's going to give us what we need. But no, I stayed, oh, hold on, Holy Spirit. Let me stay and tell her this this one punchline. You know, no, no, you follow the Spirit. Matthew 14, 23 says, after Jesus dismissed the crowd, he went up to a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was still there alone. Now, let me explain something. We're praying he would take the issue away. Let's let the Holy Spirit divert our prayer 
to things God wants us to communicate with him about. Jesus is not up there praying about this situation he has. The one time in the Garden of Gethsemane he asked to take this cup, but nevertheless your will, not mine. And the cup he didn't want, that he wanted God to take, was not that I'm going to die for the people, but that you're going to separate yourself from me. I'm not going to hear from you. Right? Listen, we want his will, the will of God. So if that means that I can't hear from him about this issue, I'm going to knock about everything else that he might talk to me about. Right? We'll table this, David, but talk to me about that. Right? Be happy to have an audience with God after you've talked the way you've talked with everybody else anyway. Bless the Lord. God is real. So I'm going to wind this up by saying, I I just want to remind us, (laughs) uh, I've never used this analogy before, but it came to me about a fire truck. And if you're, uh, and so if you were like um, going to bed and you walked through your living room and saw a big old fire truck sitting in the living room while you were headed to your bedroom, you know, you trip. But you're so tired because you've been doing whatever else, whatever it is you like to do. You go in your bedroom and try to lay down. It's like the, well, you go and lay down. And so the fire truck starts coming. Have you ever walked up on a fire truck when it's parked and you hear that engine? Right? So it's doing that humming and you're like, well, let me get some some earphones or something. I hate sleeping with these. Let me put them on. And you put them on. Then all of a sudden, you see red and white lights just flashing. So now the, 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 the what's, what's that? The, the, the sirens going, the lights are flashing, right? You're like, wait a minute. So you get up and close the door. You got to get up again, close the door and put the towel under the door and everything, right? Then you lay down, you hear the whoop, 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 whoop. You, all the noise, right? Well, I'll put on these and I'll put on these and, and do all that I can. Okay, now, <laughs> you can't move that fire engine. You're not going to be able to get it out the way. And even your efforts aren't going to work because even though you blocked out and you've, you've plugged up and you, you've done all these things, you can't sleep with those things up in your ear and your eyes all tied up and, you know... <laughs> You can't. It's, at least it's going to be very uncomfortable. And so what I'm saying is that if we would really deal with our issues day and night meditating, day and night meditating on the laws of God, his Holy Spirit has more access to more compartments of our hearts to do more work, more settling, more relaxation, real true peace. He's, he's now, he has access because you're giving him an invitation by your actions. I want to know my father. I want to pray. I want to do what you want me to do. I'm telling you, you will look like something that there's no, like you're in the desert. A tree in the desert where there's no water, but you got leaves and fruit hanging on you. Bless the Lord. So these issues can't, first of all, 
we can't escape the issues in our own volition, by our own choices. It's not going to work. We need God if we truly want to survive the issues of life, whether he takes them away or not. Our peace is not predicated on that issue being taken away. He is our peace. His peace far surpasses any other type of peace, right? So this is what we want, true peace from God, which is supernatural. It's not like we think, oh, just give me peace by taking this away. No, give me peace, let that thing grow. I can't, look, whatever you decide, just give me peace with it and let me serve you. This is where we're at, okay? So, all right, I'm gonna pray.